What a blessing. My text verse is verse number 58. I've enjoyed all the special music of the choir and the specials this morning, the ladies this morning, Miss Rima this evening. I enjoy hearing the choir practice before church. I enjoy the singing. Singing is not something that we ought to do just at church. There ought to be a song in our heart. There ought to be a song on our lips as we go through the week. And sometimes we ought to sing and praise God not as a reaction, but as the action that causes the reaction. Just praise Him because He is worthy. Verse number 58, the Bible says, But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. I want to preach tonight on this subject, He followed afar off. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. I, uh, Lord, I pray that you would please help my thoughts and help my words. Uh, Lord, to be exactly uh, in your will, pleasing to you, helpful to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would receive honor and glory because of the message and because of our lives lived as a result of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, this passage of scripture got my attention because of the phrase in verse number 58, but Peter followed uh, him afar off. When I first read the phrase uh, some weeks ago, I began to mull in my mind, why is it that Peter followed afar off? I then began to list dangers of following Christ afar off, uh, the dangers of not being close to him, and why we should not follow him afar off. And as I began to study the passage of Scripture and take in to the text, the context, I, uh, I, I uh, got something completely different than what I thought the passage of Scripture was actually saying and I was going to preach on the dangers of following him afar off. But Peter was further off than it appears. And I want you to hear the message tonight. And um, I, I, I'm going to give you a few more details than I typically would in a message. And you'll have to listen to those and through those. They're important or I wouldn't say them. But I want us to understand what's going on in verse number 58 and why the Bible says uh, Peter followed him afar off. After Jesus was arrested, he was taken to the house of Annas, the former high priest who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest according to John chapter 18 and verse number 13. Now understand in this day when you talk about the priest, you're not talking about somebody that's far separated from the Roman government, but you're talking about a religious system that has become polluted, that has become corrupted, and they're working hand in hand now with the Roman government. They have yielded their spiritual power to the temporal power because they want to have a place of prestige and they want to have a place of power. And so Annas was a shrewd politician and was something of an experienced influencer. He had been around a long time and he was a part of the temple 
establishment. When I say establishment, that is just, I don't know about what it is to you, but to me, uh, that is a negative connotation because the establishment usually has forgotten the purpose of the establishment and the establishment has taken their personal cause over the purpose of what they're supposed to be there for. Uh, Jesus was taken to Caiaphas the next morning and then the next morning to the meeting of the Sanhedrin council. Uh, they turned him over to Pilate. He didn't want to have anything to do with him. He tried to put him under Herod's jurisdiction, Luke chapter 23, verses 6 through 12. But Herod said, no, it wouldn't have anything to do with it. And so he sent him back to Pilate. Uh, in the writings of Matthew, as the Holy Spirit guided Matthew in his writing in this chapter and the next, 26 and 7, he centers his attention on four major players, characters, or people who were involved in the trial and the sufferings of Christ. First of all, there was Caiaphas, the high priest. Then there is Peter, the subject of our message tonight. Then there is Judas, the one who betrays Christ and then sells him for 30 pieces of silver. And then there is Pilate. Now, we're not going to talk much about Judas and Pilate. And by way of introduction and just to lay the setting and the, and, and the grounds, I want to talk a little bit about Caiaphas. Take your Bibles and without reading all of the verses, if you look at chapter 26, uh, what you find here is about verse number 15. Uh, you're talking about Jesus being delivered for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, verse number 17, we begin uh, the uh, description of the Last Supper. Verse 21, as they are at the Passover of the Last Supper, uh, Jesus tells them that one is going to betray him. He's talking about Judas, of course. In verse number 30, they sang a hymn. It was over. Uh, they had eaten the Last Supper, and they went out into the Mount of Olives. And verse 31 is very important. The Bible says, Then says Jesus, un Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd. For it is written, that's Old Testament prophecy. That phrase is, is written. It's a reference to the Old Testament. Uh, as it, uh, it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. So he's telling his disciples the sheep are going to be scattered because the shepherd is going uh, to be smitten. In verse number 32, he reminds them, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Verse number 33, then Peter, or Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. That, that, that's one of the most dangerous statements ever made of man and recorded in the scripture. And, and how foolish it is to say, everybody else might be offended, I'm not going to be offended. Boy, you got to be careful about it. That's a statement of pride. I, I know what I desire, I know what I want, but I can't declare that I'm always going to do what I want to do, though I desire that. And then when you look at verse number 34, uh, he said, This night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And verse 35, he makes another statement of pride, and then he goes out to the garden and he begins to pray. He's very heavy. Uh, in his prayer. And he says to his men, specifically Peter, he said, I want you to watch him pray with me. And uh, Jesus goes, he's very heavy uh, in prayer. He knows that Calvary is ahead of him. And he says to Peter, I want you to pray with me. I want you to watch with me. He comes back after an hour and Peter's asleep. 
So he wakes Peter up and he goes and prays again. He comes back and finds Peter asleep. He goes and prays the third time. He comes back. He doesn't wake up Peter. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting the promises that we're willing to make just so we don't have to be obedient today? I'll die for you, but I won't pray with you one hour. And then we find Jesus is sold and then all of the mockery of the trial he's betrayed and all of that when he gets to the house of Caiaphas, uh, to Annas, uh, to Pilate and all of that, the Bible says Peter followed him afar off. I'm going to come back to that. Let me tell you about Caiaphas a few minutes if I may just to give you an idea of the corruption that's going on in the day and, and perhaps this is not necessary to the sermon but I, I, I want to just give you a picture of what's going on. The Old Testament said that the high priest when he was chosen and he served until death. All right, he served until death. But when the Romans took over uh, the nation of Israel, they made the high priesthood an appointed office. It was somebody that they chose. Now, this way, they could have the appointed religious leader cooperate with their policies or with their politics. They want to make sure that they had a high priest that was under the thumb and the control of the Roman government. Anna served as high priest from 86 to 8015. He had five sons as well as Caiaphas, who was not his son, but his son-in-law, and he succeeded him, not according to the Old Testament, but according to the Roman government. Then Caiaphas was a high priest from AD 18 to 36. Now, even though Caiaphas is a high priest, Annas uh, is uh, a big influencer in the policies and the politics of the day. Now stay with me. Annas and Caiaphas, they were Sadducees. Uh, that meant they did not believe in the resurrection. Uh, they did not believe in the spirit world. So if you said Holy Spirit, they didn't believe that. They didn't believe anything of the spirit. In fact, they believed the Old Testament, just the five books of the law. The Sadducees did not believe any of the prophets. Uh, they did not believe uh, or uh, take serious anything that David wrote, just the five books of the law. They went by the law. They manipulated them and used them uh, to uh, that they could control the people or keep them under their control. Now, stay with me. It was the high priest's family that managed the business of the temple. If you recall, when Jesus went into the temple and he saw the business that they were operating, he made a whip and he drove them out. Now, this is the family of Annas and Caiaphas and that group of four, five, six men. They're willing to do anything the Roman government tells them to do. And, of course, when they were, uh, when they were dr driven out of the temple by the Lord Jesus, uh, they were angry at him and they declared that one day they would kill him. Uh, take your Bibles and go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John 11, uh, go to verse number 47, if you will, please. Then gathered the chief priests. Now these, again, are, are, are political appointments. It would be like the governor of Kentucky saying, uh, 
I choose this fellow to be the pastor of this church. Not just appointments as judges, but they chose the chief priest. It would be like the governor saying, I'm going to be the one that chooses who pastors this church. And so you're not going to say anything against these sins or these wrongs. You're going to promote these things. That's what's going on in this day. So the Bible tells us in John 11:47. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doth many miracles. They're talking about Jesus, of course. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. I love how the Bible uh, gives us the business meeting or notes of what's going on and tells us word for word uh, what they say. I like going in on this meeting. One of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, uh, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people. In other words, he's saying, I'm not giving up these people for one man. We will kill him. Now, he doesn't understand that he's not in control, but the sovereign God of heaven is in control, and he's going to do nothing but fulfill the prophecy. And so there's no need for you to be afraid of Putin or Biden or any other of those world leaders because whatever they do, they're under the guiding hand and control of God. You understand that tonight, God's in control. We find example after example. Then he says this, and that the whole nation perish not. Verse 51, and this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together and one the children of God that were scattered abroad. The high priest quickly assembled, and they made up of the chief priest, and they decided that they were going to kill Jesus. Now, they needed some witnesses uh, that he was guilty of a crime. They'd already decided he's guilty. He needs to die. We just have to find some witnesses. Some of their witnesses failed, of course, and uh, they went through uh, just, a, uh, just a kangaroo court, just a mockery of a trial, and without considering the evidence of any crime, Caiaphas went ahead and passed sentence against Jesus anyway. Now understand, while all this is going on, here's why I told you this, Peter is out there listening and watching to see what's going on. Now initially I said, I'm mad at Peter because he's following afar off. Now I'm going to preach a sermon against those that follow Jesus afar off. You should be there with him, but that's not what the Bible says. And so my sermon and my intent changes. It's amazing how, how much the Bible gets in the way of good preaching sometimes. Sometimes we have to preach the Bible rather than what we want the Bible to say. And so upon further investigation of reading not only this chapter, but the chapters before and the chapters after, and then reading John's account to find why Peter followed afar off, he's watching Caiaphas and he, and he passes the sentence against Jesus anyway, and the treatment given to Jesus after the verdict was illegal, it was inhumane, and it revealed the wickedness of the priest's heart and without them knowing it, they fulfilled to the letter, uh, to the letter, they fulfilled every prophecy given of the Old Testament. Now we come to Peter. Peter's criticized for following afar off. And for the last, uh, for three weeks in my heart, I criticized Peter for following afar off. But that wasn't his mistake. 
His mistake was not that he followed afar off, but that he followed him at all. Peter wasn't supposed to be there. Jesus had warned Peter that if you go, you'll deny me. Jesus quoted Zechariah 13, 7, which states that the sheep shall be scattered. Jesus had commanded the disciples not to follow. John 18, 8 and 9, he said, let them go their way. This was not the only time Peter got in the way of the will of Jesus. One time, Peter was so adamant against him being crucified that Jesus said, Satan, get thee behind me. How sad it is, in fact, how fearful it is when our wants are against the will of God to the place that we try to thwart the will of God in a spiritual behavior. Stay with me. If Peter had listened to Jesus, if he had obeyed Christ, he would have never failed the Lord in such a humiliating way. And I preach tonight this truth. If we follow the Lord Jesus for the wrong reasons, rather than doing what he says to do and doing what we want to do, we too will fail miserably and shamefully. You see, he doesn't want me to just follow him. He wants me to follow him the way he said to follow him. What's interesting is you go throughout the word of God, you find those that in the name of God or in the name of Christ, they decide how they want to serve God and they make to themselves their own gods and in a spiritual manner they've declared how they want to serve God. May I say we need a revival out of our rebellion and into exactly what God tells us to do. I fear that the church gets involved in so many things today other than the purpose of the church. And we get busy in ministry. But we're further off than we think we are. John was a part of this same failure. The apostle John had followed Peter and got both of them into the high priest's house. Go to John chapter 18. It's an amazing book. This is an amazing book. Sometimes we get imaginations in our minds about the word of God that are a tad different than what the Bible records. John 18, verse number 15, the Bible says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple which was known unto the high priest and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. It was John that brought in Peter to be a part of that trial mockery and that sentencing of Jesus to the cross. Look at me. Jesus' instruction was watch and pray. Peter didn't watch and pray. Somehow or another, he's in some time or another, he's had a conversation with John and said, let's follow Jesus, let's see what happens. That's not what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, the sheep are going to be scattered, the shepherd is going to be smitten. I want you to stay here and I want you to watch and pray. Far too often we act without spending time in prayer. 
And if I ended the sermon right here and made just this application to say, young people, quit making decisions based on how we feel, our emotions, and, and even more, forget what the circumstances are. Let's just do what God says to do in His Word. You say, I don't know what to do, then watch and pray. I don't, know what, I don't know what to do. Well, then watch and pray. Stand still. Don't make a decision to run. Don't make a decision to do something that you think might help. The instruction for Peter was to watch and pray lest, Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Jesus told them to stay there. He told them to pray. Uh, they went to sleep three different times. And when he told them to pray, then they woke up and did what they should not have done they ended up in the wrong place and this is a frightening thing when you and I end up in the wrong place we're going to do the wrong thing we're talking about two of Jesus finest here John and Peter they went to the wrong place and Peter obviously failed because he's in the wrong place the wrong place ought to, ought, ought to cause you to fear being in the wrong place should cause you to be afraid. Being in the wrong place should cause you. I mean, we can make this application in every part of life. I don't want to be in the wrong place in the world. I don't want to be in the wrong place around the wrong people. I don't want to be in the wrong place. I want to be in the will of God. That's why I believe folks ought to be in church when the doors are open. Because I have a chance if I'm not in the right place, I'm going to be in the wrong place. And when I'm in the wrong place... Temptation comes and I fail. Now you may be better than Peter. But he told Peter if you'll watch and pray. Consequently they entered into the temptation. And Peter failed. We fail. When we fail to spend time with God in prayer. And I'm not talking about bedtime prayers. I've said it before as I think of it so often. If I spend as much, if, if I charge my cell phone, the equal amount of time that I spend in prayer, the average Christian wouldn't be able to make a phone call on their cell phone after 10 o'clock in the morning because it would be dead. We will then do other things to cover up our failure that will cause us even greater failure and shame. Peter's public and repeated denial of Christ was the end result of a series of failures that began with not spending time with Jesus in prayer. We preach it, we talk about it, but I ask tonight, what is our scheduled, what is our planned time of prayer? Now, if we end up in the emergency room, we're going to pray. But what if we don't end up in the emergency room this week? How much time are we going to pray? How much time are we going to spend with God? Peter comes up with this idea with John to go to this trial, to go to this sentencing. He had no business being there. Jesus had told him so. And yet we come up with these ideas of what we're going to do. We'd be better served if we spent our time in the word and in prayer doing exactly what God tells us to do. When the Lord Jesus first warned Peter that they would be tested by Satan, Peter affirmed his faith and his ability to remain true to God and in pride he argued with Jesus. 
I think that would be equal to me saying, well, now, Jesus, Peter might have failed, but I can go to the wrong place and it won't bother me. May the Holy Spirit of God use that statement right now. Peter might be able to hang around the wrong crowd and it bother him, but it won't bother me if I'm around the wrong crowd. Oh, yes, it will. He even dared to compare himself to other disciples and he affirmed that though he might fall, though they might fall, he would remain true. Go back to Matthew chapter 26. Let's go to verse number 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace and a damsel, that means a young lady, came unto him saying, Thou also was with, was with Jesus of Galilee. I can't read that with my glasses off or on. Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid, a damsel, a young girl, a maid, a little bit older woman, said unto him, saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. After a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus which said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt, deny, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. The gospel of Mark records a little bit more of the story. I want you to see it, Mark chapter 14. Peter is thinking when that rooster begins to crow, I'd have been better off in prayer meeting I'd have been better off if I'd have just stayed and spent time. When you don't know what to do, just, just, just stay with God. Just stay with God in prayer. You don't have to make a wrong decision. You don't have to make a wrong move. Just watch and pray. That's what Jesus told him to do. It's interesting, Mark tells us that the rooster crowed two times. Now, that's not a contradiction. But he, in Matthew, Jesus said... When you deny me three times, the rooster is going to crow. Here's something interesting that I found in Mark chapter 14, verse number 30. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. After Peter denied the Lord the third time, the cock crowed the second time, I believe when Peter went there that the Lord Jesus had the rooster to crow to say, Peter, you better get out of here. How many times have you been in the wrong place and with the wrong people and the Holy Spirit said, you're in the wrong place. 
Hey, teenage boy. Hey, teenage girl. The Holy Spirit said, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. And then Peter denies the Lord three times. And when he does, the cock crows again. And Peter said, oh, no. I should have listened to Jesus. I should have listened to the warning. And in my pride, I have denied, I have cursed, I have cursed the very Savior who will die to pay for my sin. And he went out and he wept bitterly. The problem is not that Peter followed afar off. The problem is that Peter is following Jesus on this day when he shouldn't have been where he was. He should have done what Jesus told him in verse number 31 of Matthew chapter 26. He should have watched and prayed. Now I'm thankful that after the resurrection, Jesus met privately with Peter. He restored his discipleship, Matthew 16, 17. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 5. He not only restored his discipleship, he restored him publicly, John 21, verses 15 through 19. And Peter learned to pay attention to the word of God. And Peter learned to watch and pray. And so God in his word tells us about Peter, not so that we will repeat the same mistakes, but so that we will learn not to say, I won't ever deny you. I won't ever go against you. I'll even die for you. But what we would do is keep our mouths shut and just do what God says to do. Be busy doing what God says to do. Take your Bibles now and go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. Sometimes we just feel like we need to do something. May I say tonight, praying is doing something. Sometimes we feel like, well, I ought to do something about this. I don't remember exactly when it was. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess it was just before... Was the election in 2019 or is that wishful thinking? I wish it was 2000. Was that the last election presidential? It was 2020, that's right. A fellow called me and he said, I want to meet with you about starting a, 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 a prayer meeting. And I met with him and he told me, he said, on behalf of the election, he said, I want to start a prayer meeting and I'd like for you to lead a prayer group. And I said, I already do. And he said, oh, that's wonderful. What chapter do you lead? I said, what, what, do you, what do you mean, what chapter? He said, what group, what organization, what chapter is it? I said, the local church. How sad it is that Christians, and I'm not against going door to door and working to elect a candidate, but if you think that's more important than Wednesday night prayer meeting, you've got a problem. Because that's exactly what Peter is doing in these chapters. He's, we got to do something. We've got to do something. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you what to do. You just watch and pray. Let me fulfill the will of the Father. I'm going to Calvary. I'm going. He told them plainly, I'll rise again. When I rise again, I'll meet you. And that's exactly what he did. But Peter messed up because he felt like I ought to do something. 
Praying is doing something. Sharing the gospel is doing something. Doing the work of the local church is doing something. Running buses is doing something. Teaching Sunday school is doing something. You say, but I want to do something for my country. You can't do anything more for your country than to get on your face before an almighty God. And if God doesn't do something, there's nothing an individual can do in our nation today. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, I want you to notice in verse number 7. But the end of all things is at hand. We're living in the last days. Peter knows something about the end of times, or if I can use the word properly, dispensations. He knows about the ends of times. He knows about that because he was alive at the time when Jesus would be crucified, buried, risen again. So he now writes to us, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober hmm. and watch unto prayer. You know what America needs? Christians who believe that God is the answer. Christians who believe that prayer is doing something. And I, I, I'm not against work. I, I'm not against that. You want to give to a candidate? Uh, I'm thinking about running. Um, I'm just kidding. You want to give to a candidate? I'm not against that. I, I'm for that. But I want to tell you, if you think that has anything to do, uh, and that, that that is anything more important than spending time in prayer, we're fooled and let us learn from the lesson that Jesus taught Peter. Watching and praying is far more important than you getting with the wrong crowd and trying to do something that you can't do. Do what I said to do. Take your Bibles. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever watched a video of, of a lion circling animals, seeking his prey? You know which one he gets? He never attacks the pack. He attacks the one that's outside the pack. The one that's wandering away. Some of you have heard that first rooster crow and the Holy Spirit said, you better, get, you better get out of here. You better get back to the will of God. You better get back to doing what God said to do or you're going to deny the Lord Jesus. You're going to mess up. You don't want to do that. Oh, how we need to listen to the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. Why are we following Christ tonight? Are we following him the way he tells us to follow him? Are we saying, I'll do my own thing. I'll define my own work for God. You'll never come up with any idea better than, first of all, walking with God every day. And then telling somebody else about your Jesus. Stand with me, if you will. Peter was following a lot further off than it appears. Now, I've said before, Peter may have been following afar off, but he was closer than the others. He really wasn't. The others that were watching and praying, they were a lot closer to Jesus than Peter was following afar off. Heavenly Father, oh, how we need you tonight. 
These are difficult days. These are the days.